This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Beautiful day. Beautiful occasion to be together and to hear from the Lord. One of the, the great patriarchs in the Old Testament is a fellow by the name of Jacob. And Jacob was the son of Isaac, and uh, he was the grandson of Abraham. Now, Jacob possessed some character flaws, not unlike all the other great people in the Bible. He was, in fact, a dirty, rotten scoundrel. A conniver and cheat, Jacob deceived his father Isaac and cheated his older brother Esau out of his birthright. And part of that birthright is a double portion of the family inheritance that's owed to the firstborn son. So as you can imagine, Esau was not pleased with what his younger brother had done. Filled with rage, uh, Esau went on the warpath, vowed to get revenge, and Jacob ran for his life, making a quick exit out of the town of Beersheba. And then exhausted from a long day's journey, he, Jacob bedded down in a lonely place. And uh, little did he know what the Lord had store, uh, in store for him that night. So let's uh, read the story. From the book of Genesis. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. And when he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth, with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And there above it stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. And when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I wasn't aware of it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. The ancient Celtic Christians used to talk about thin places. A thin place was a place where God seemed so close that heaven and earth appeared to become one. In a thin place, heaven just kind of opened up and God's presence became very real, almost tangible. To his utter amazement, Jacob found himself in just such a place and his life was changed forever. Up until this time, Jacob had heard his father and grandfather talk about God. God was part of his family heritage. His God was the God of his fathers. He merely, he merely had a secondhand faith in God. But now his relationship with God became intensely personal. 
And God introduced himself to Jacob for the first time in his dream, saying, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. Now, this is really important to get. It's really important that you understand this. It was God who came to Jacob and not the other way around. The stairway came down from heaven and God found Jacob in his loneliness and in his sin and in his guilt and in his fear. This was not a case of Jacob climbing a ladder to somehow find God in heaven. It's a notion that we get actually from the old spiritual, you know, we are climbing Jacob's ladder. No, it's the other way around. It was God coming down to him. God is always looking for you and for me, always seeking us, coming to us wherever we happen to be, whatever our condition in life. God wants to walk with us in life in spite of our waywardness and our sin, our rebellion, our failures, our shortcomings. If we come to God, it's only because God first comes to us. He always takes the initiative in establishing a personal relationship with you and me. He longs for us to experience the blessings of his living presence. He wants to give each of us a taste of heaven. And he's overjoyed when we respond with, with love and gratitude and obedience. So having personally introduced himself to Jacob in a dream... The Lord then proceeded to give Jacob the covenant promise given to his forefathers. The promise of a land and of many descendants and the promise to be a blessing to all the families on, of, of the earth. So it's no wonder that, that Jacob was overwhelmed and awestruck. I mean that the promise should now come to him and through him. He of all people, conniver and cheat. And then God gave him another great promise, which we should have a, uh, in a prominent place on our refrigerator door or on our dashboard or uh, a screensaver on our computer or, or whatever, wherever we keep important reminders, where God says, I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. So the promise that he gave to Jacob is the same promise that he gives to you and to me, that God will be with us, that God is Emmanuel, God with us, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Sarah and Rebecca and Rachel, the God who is fully present to us in Jesus Christ, the Holy One who abides with you and me at all times and in all places, whether we feel his presence or not, he is there promise of God. God is always with us. But there are times when we encounter God's living presence in an extraordinarily powerful way. There are times and places in our lives when all of a sudden heaven just kind of opens up as it did for Jacob. And God's presence seems extraordinarily real. These are the thin places of life. 
where heaven and earth become one. These are places and moments in our lives that encourage us and strengthen us. They comfort us in our journey of faith. They remind us of God's majesty and love. And sometimes God comes to us when we least expect him. He comes out of thin air, so to speak. And you know that expression may very well come from the Celtic saying, the phrase about thin places. Out of thin air, God comes to you and to me. Perhaps you have uh, found yourself in a lonely place, desolate place in your life, like Jacob. Perhaps like Jacob, you were running from your problems. But then, looking back, God somehow showed up and he became very real to you. It may be that God came to you through a a caring friend, uh, through an encouraging word. Maybe he came to you in an unusual dream or vision. You know, God communicated to people back then through dreams and visions, and God still does that today. Perhaps he simply came to you as an overwhelming feeling. As you prayed or as you walked along, you felt your heart strangely warmed, to use John Wesley's description. Perhaps he came to you in the midst of life circumstances making and somehow making all things working together for good in ways that simply can't be attributed to coincidence. Whatever the nature of the encounter, God's presence was unmistakable. And you were cheered and you were comforted thereby. and You were strengthened. You found yourself in a thin place. God has a way of showing up at our point of need. God shows up a lot of the time when we're minding our own business and maybe not even thinking about him, not even feeling particularly spiritual. I doubt if Jacob was even thinking of God when God came to him. Moses was minding his business, tending his sheep in the desert of Midian, when out of thin air... He came to a burning bush, and he was naturally awestruck by the sense of the Lord's consuming presence, not unlike Jacob. And now all of a sudden, Moses had God business to do. He found himself with a new calling in life. He never would have thought it, but God has a way of interrupting the best laid plans and agendas. We think of Saul, who was minding his own business. Actually, he thought it was God's business, but it was actually his own business. Riding along the road to Damascus to persecute Christians. When out of thin air, heaven opened up, and the light came down, and the Lord spoke, and suddenly he found his priorities and his plans all turned around. Saul found himself in a thin place that changed his life forever. And it came in a time when he least expected it. So that Saul the persecutor became Paul the apostle. Not to compare myself with the apostle Paul in any way. But I was minding my own business uh, when, uh, in college when God came alongside me. I was in school and trying to figure out what I was supposed to do in life. 
And, uh, you know, uh, I just kind of changed my major about eight different times. And, and then all of a sudden, doors opened, other do doors closed. Certain people came into my life, and I had to reset my priorities. My call to serve God was confirmed, and off I went to seminary and into the professional ministry. Now, I'd, uh, I knew that I was going to be a pastor in first grade. I remember sitting in church and looking up at the pastor in his black robe, telling stories. And I remember saying to myself very clearly, Mark, you're going to do that one day. And then, you know, then life went along. I get into, got into high school. I remember being relieved that God would never call me to ministry because what a scary thing that would be. Besides, I was a shy kid and didn't like to talk in public. Uh, I, I steered to public speaking courses in junior high and high school. Uh, and, you know, I'm still actually kind of shy. You know that? Uh, so, you know, I was taught not to look at the whites of people's eyes, but to look over their heads. Uh, it's not nearly as scary, you know. Um, but God, you know, he, he was arranging things in my life so that for me, God's presence and all that was unmistakable. That became kind of a thin place for me. I had other plans, wasn't expecting it, but God just kind of showed up, showed me the way. And then there are other times in my life, uh, in the course of my ministry, where God was working through certain people, through certain events, and uh, there was absolutely no way that it could have been coincidence. That's another story. Sometimes... God makes his presence known in the events and the circumstances of life. At other times, he comes in a moment, giving us a glimpse of his glory. Peter, James, and John were uh, three of Jesus' disciples. They were kind of the inner circle around Jesus. And uh, Jesus took them up on a high mountain. And we read in the Gospel of Mark, we read the story. It's called the story of the transfiguration. Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. And there he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses who were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. Well, he didn't know what to say. They were so frightened. And then a cloud appeared and covered them. And a voice came from the cloud. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. So that this was a thin place where heaven just kind of opened up and Jesus' sonship was confirmed strengthening the faith of his disciples for the hard times that were ahead. And so I, I ask you, what have been some of the thin places in your life where heaven and earth seemed to become one? Have you had those kinds of experiences? Those moments in your life where you could say with Jacob, how 
awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. When was God most real to you? Was there a moment when you were simply overwhelmed by his presence, by his power, by his majesty? Was it the birth of a baby? Was it during one of those milestone events, an adoption, a baptism, a wedding? Was it when you watched the sunset over the Olympic Mountains? When was it? What have been some of the thin places in your life where God was unmistakably real? And you know what? It doesn't have to be a milestone event for that matter. Old Christian saint, Brother Lawrence, found that God became very real to him as he was engaged in such a mundane task as washing the dishes in the kitchen. But it's helpful to think back about these special moments, these divine encounters, because they confirm our faith and they are given for our encouragement. Thank God for the thin places of life. Because without them, our faith would be merely a second-hand affair based on hearsay only. You see, our God wants us to not only know about him, but he wants us to know him. God wants to be a living presence in our lives, not just a distant memory, a figure in a book, a philosophical idea, or an aspect of family heritage. But you and I can expect him to come to us in a very real, personal way way. Now, to be sure, we can't camp on these holy encounters with God. Life will never be one continuous spiritual high. You know, we have to come down from the mountaintop experiences sometimes. Life is lived in the valleys. And there will be times when God seems very distant. But what a blessing are those mountaintop experiences where the air is thin, the heaven and earth seem to become one. And I wish for you that you would have such encounters, that those thin places would be frequent in your life. And you know what? Those thin places will become more frequent as you become more spiritually aware. Because so much in life, you know, we just kind of go through life with blinders. You know, we're trapped by the, the tyranny of the urgent, and we have our business to do, but we don't think broader terms. We need to be spiritually tuned in. Now, to be sure, those holy moments that I'm talking about, you know, those special encounters with God, cannot be programmed or conjured up by us. We can't prearrange them. God sometimes shows up when we least expect him, as I have said. 
these moments are God-ordained, but if we cannot program these experiences with God, if we can't schedule them, we can't, we can put ourselves in places where God is most likely to be encountered. And what better place than worshiping with your church family? Remember, Jesus says, wherever two or more are gathered in my name, I am there, right in the midst. There is a beautiful Celtic prayer of blessing and dismissal. In fact, it's in the words are at the top of the bulletin. God be with you and grant you to stand in thin places where the presence is deeply known and mercy abounds and wisdom flourishes. And my prayer is that our worship together will be a thin place where indeed the presence is deeply known and mercy abounds and wisdom flourishes. And I pray that you will encounter him in the reading of the word in the preaching of the word, and in the celebration of the sacraments. Because in these holy moments, we are encouraged and strengthened by our Lord for the tasks of discipleship. And my prayer for all of us is that every time we gather together for worship, that we would come away from worship able to say with Jacob, man, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. So may it be. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for those moments of holy encounter, those thin places that we have in our lives that remind us of how loving and how great and how merciful and how wise you are. And Lord, even though we can't camp out in those thin places, we have to come down from the mountaintop, live in the valleys, nevertheless, may we frequently call them to mind so that we might find encouragement when all seems dark and bleak and hopeless. Thank you for your promise, Lord, that you are with us always, whether we feel your presence or not. For we pray this in your precious name. Amen.